If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Matt Hofeld, along with Rich DeCray, here as a part of the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. The boys are back together again, right, Rich? Yeah, absolutely. It's been, what, a week? A week or so, just just due to some some other obligations, but it's always nice to sit down, and more specifically, it's always nice to talk football with you, the Matt Hofeld. Yeah, because I had to like carry the show by myself for like the last two episodes, but I'm not bitter at all. Okay, Oklahoma at Kansas State this weekend, another early kickoff for the Sooners. Um, you know, we don't want to rail on that, but what I do want to talk about before we get uh, there's a few things I want to discuss before we get into the meat of this game. And the first of that being the Big 12 Conference Championship race. You know, some teams are four games into their their conference season, some teams are three games into their conference season. Um I guess everyone's four games, um, but I, to me, it comes down to four teams. You know, clearly you've got Oklahoma and Baylor undefeated um, in conference play and really undefeated in general, both 7-0 and on the season, 4-0 in conference play. And then you go down a tier and you've got Iowa State and Texas. Those are kind of the, the guys that could be spoilers in this whole deal. By the way, all four of these teams are ranked on the season right now. Oklahoma, Baylor, 7-0. Iowa State, Texas sitting there at 5-2 and two each. I've said all along that I really feel like whoever Oklahoma plays in the conference championship game will have two losses in conference. And so that keeps the Cyclones very much alive. It keeps the Longhorns very much alive. And then when you look at like Kansas State and TCU, both sitting at 1-2 and two in conference play, if 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 one of the if the team that Oklahoma plays is going to have two losses, Kansas State TCU very much in play, and that makes this game with Oklahoma that much more important for the Wildcats. Because if you lose this game, suddenly you're sitting there with Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas. When you break down the conference race, I think the only thing that you there's two things I believe that you can say at this point. Number one, Oklahoma clear cut favorite. Number two, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Kansas. They're all out of this race. It is over for them. Yeah, when I'm looking specifically at the the Big 12 race here, I do think there are four teams that we've got to consider and four teams only. Regardless of what the records say at this point in time, there's still quite a bit of football to be played. Oklahoma, 
the current pace, the current clip that they're playing at, the win over Texas, I think un undoubtedly, hands down, they are the favorite, but everyone's pretty much guaranteeing them a spot. So we're arguing who's going to be the, the opponent in that matchup. And for me, I know you've thrown out the records here and say these are people who have the possibility, but talent-wise and giving the eye test to some of these teams, I think you're looking at Texas, you're looking at Baylor, an undefeated record could potentially be 9-0 here pretty shortly, and Iowa State as the, the three competitors who are vying for that spot. How everything's going to shake out, I'm not 100% certain because Texas has found themselves in a handful of extremely close games against opponents that they should handedly beat. Baylor, on the other hand, is finding themselves also in a, in a couple of close games but they're still finding a way to win, which is something that I don't think we expected of Baylor heading into this season. It's going to be an interesting second half of the season. And right now, that, that second spot still is up for grabs. But those are the three teams that I would key in on as saying they, they have the highest percentage chance or highest probability of making it into that championship game against Oklahoma. Baylor, Baylor and, and that group the, the, of those three, Baylor to me is the one that really kind of makes me scratch my head because you, you look at the Bears and and I can't help. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm cynical by nature, but I, I can't help think of Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech. You know, all those years they would get off to a great start, five and one, six and one, you know, whatever. Like Baylor's seven and zero right now. But then what they do, you, you hit late October, you go into November and they drop five games in a row. And while I see there's a lot of talent with Baylor, I also see a lot of question marks on this team, more so than I see with Texas, more so than I see with Oklahoma State. But Baylor, Baylor's that program that can tout, the only other program in the Big 12, that can tout a 7-0 record, an undefeated team. And, and the fact that they're the second highest ranked team in the Big 12, you, you can't take any of that away from them. But still, when I look at them and I evaluate them, am I worried, am I nervous about going to Oklahoma going to Waco to play that game? Absolutely. I 100% am. But I also think that they, this team legitimately should have lost to Texas Tech. They should have lost. And, and the Big 12 botched it up, messed it up, whatever you want to say. So Baylor, I mean, I, I, I keep that in my mind. And, and Matt Rule is a great coach. And what he's doing is I think he's using that moment as motivation to his guys to say, everyone out there, all the Matt Holfelds of the world, they don't believe you deserve to be right where you are. And I think Matt Rule is doing a great job at using that as a motivation for his guys. But I wonder, as as competition increases for Baylor, how much longer can that be a motivation? Because it's it's about to get very real for them through this last home stretch of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to find out a lot about Baylor heading down, as you've, as you've termed it, the stretch, last stretch. Of the season, I think Matt, you and I had a conversation previously where I said that I think Baylor's a good team. I just don't think they're a great team. They have significantly benefited from the schedule that they've played up to this point of the season. But the reality is, is what happens when they run into an Oklahoma? What happens when they run into a Texas? Do they continue to perform at the same level that we've seen them perform at, or do they take a step backwards because all of a sudden the talent on the field? takes a significant jump upwards over where Baylor's at. I believe they're playing on par with a lot of these other teams in terms of talent. And we've also got to look at the fact 
You said this at the beginning of the season. I don't know that I jumped on board at that point in time. And really the question was, are we seeing better defenses or is it a byproduct of younger quarterbacks? And Baylor comes in and they have that benefit, I think, working with them, as do all these other teams at this point in time, that they're facing young quarterbacks who are going to make mistakes, which have led to some wins that teams may not have initially counted or fans may not have counted as a win when the season began. All right. So let's swing the conversation back around to Oklahoma football. And I want to start this by reflecting back on Oklahoma's 52 to 14 win over West Virginia. Part of that win was a a fantastic special teams play where Oklahoma blocks a punt in the end zone. Austin Stogner recovers it for his first ever touchdown in in a Sooner uniform. And, and I saw Twitter react to that, and it, it just it just kind of, I don't know, boggled my mind a little bit in that people were like, that's that's Oklahoma's first block punt in five years. I saw one guy say, I think that's Oklahoma's first block punt since like the 2000 season. And I'm going, are you kidding me? And then I don't, I don't want to call out any names. I don't want to, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but even some personal conversations that I had, I was like, one, one guy. One guy brought it up to me and goes, hey, you know, in your podcast last week, the, the recap, you didn't mention the fact that Oklahoma blocked a punt, and which I didn't. But then this guy was like, you know, I was like, this first time they blocked a punt, and I don't know who, how long. I was like, they blocked three punts last year, and Curtis Bolden recur- recovered two of them for touchdowns. Why is it? Was Oklahoma's defense just that bad that there was nothing? There are no good memories from that side of the ball. Why is it that Oklahoma fans across the board, it seems like, not not every Oklahoma fan because there's plenty out there who remember Buzzy and remember those block punts, but why is it that we're not remembering three block punts last season? I think a, a huge part of this argument, Matt, goes back to let's take Bob Stoops' years. More often than not, and this is post-2009 for me, more often than not over the past 10 years, Oklahoma was content receiving the ball because, one, I think they had an electric or a dynamic playmaker back to receive. Now, that hasn't changed, but when you talk about actually going for that kick, whether it was a field goal, whether it was an extra point, Whether that was a punt, it didn't matter on special teams. It was almost as if Oklahoma ran straight into the blockers and then peeled off. They didn't try to get around them. They didn't try to go through them. They hit, made contact, peeled off back towards the ball carrier. And we grew, my perspective at least, is we grew accustomed to seeing that. And so last year, I do think you've hit the nail on the head. We had those expectations in place, and then the defense didn't perform exceptionally well. So you look at all of a sudden the defense or special teams in this case has scored expectations versus reality. It's easy when our expectations and reality are at two contrasting ends of the spectrum to write those out or to forget and overlook them. I don't think anyone's saying Oklahoma's never blocked a punt. I think it's just an an oversight because we talked about how terrible the defense was versus the offense having to carry the load. So the focus 
where all the fans, myself included, put the focus on this Oklahoma team was never special teams and it was never the defense. It was, can the offense get us through this game and on to the next one? Yeah, and I, I think, I, I really do. I said it kind of in jest, but I do feel like there's some merit to this idea or this this thought process out there that Oklahoma is so terrible defensively that we've, we've just tried to wipe, with, with as good as Alex Grinch is doing and this defense is doing this year, we've tried to wipe all memories that are non-offense you know we've we've offense related we've tried to wipe all memories away uh for the past couple of seasons so here it is oklahoma at kansas state this coming saturday um it's a game like oklahoma's off the week after so this is your last chance for oklahoma football uh for for another two weeks after this weekend oklahoma fans have always traveled well particularly to kansas whether it be lawrence or manhattan if you want to make this trip and you haven't secured your tickets yet, Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for events that you want to go to. You can sort by price, or you can look for seats in a section or a row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. Now, to make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. You go to the App Store or Google Play or download it, and, and you download the Vivid Seats app, and fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. For every purchase, is backed by 100% guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has a doll. If you download the app and join Vivid Seats, loyalty reward program today and when it's time to buy don't forget new users can enter the promo code overtime at the checkout and you can receive a discount on your tickets for up to 100 dollars if you're wanting to go to manhattan this weekend and watch oklahoma play kansas state there are tickets available at vivid seats Take advantage of it. And by the way, if you've never been to Manhattan, the Little Apple, it is a fun stadium to go to. This is going to be a shot across the bow for Oklahoma State, but it's just truth. The Bill Snyder Stadium is what Oklahoma State fans had hoped that Boone Pickens Stadium would be. When you talk about the atmosphere, the sold-out crowd, the noise, I mean, again, my Oklahoma State fan – Friends are not going to be happy with that, but it's absolute truth. Now, Oklahoma without Grant Calcaterra this week could be the third week in a row. Lincoln Riley says they want to use this week. They want to use the bye week to um, to try to get the kid healed up and, and maybe have him come back on the backside of that that off week. Now, here's here's the thing when it comes to Grant Calcaterra. I feel like this is we, – we there's been a lot of talk in the last – um, couple of weeks, ever since the Texas game, there's been a lot of talk about Trey Sermon and his lack of touches. But before Trey Sermon and his lack of touches, Grant Calcaterra is one of those guys that we're just kind of wondering. Remember, you and I were talking even you know, before that moment, like, wh- where's Grant Calcaterra? Why is he not in here? What, what's going on? And Lincoln Riley has yet to divulge the nature of his injury, and I don't think he will. But let me ask you this question. Oklahoma's 4-0 in conference play. Do you know how many catches Grant Calcaterra has in conference play? I honestly have not a clue. Um, Knowing that he's missed time already, if I had to put a guess out there, I'm going to say four. Where am I at? You're way off. Because on the season, he only has five catches. (laughs) And so in conference play, he has one catch for 19 yards. And when we talk about, again, you, you bring up a guy like Trey Sermon, which for lack of a better phrase, you think this is a guy who's lost in the offense. 
And I feel like Grant Calcaterra is in that same mold. It, it doesn't mean to me, and I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but to me, it doesn't mean these guys are underperforming. It doesn't mean that they're, that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're falling out of favor with the coach because Lincoln Riley has been very vocal about guys who fall out of favor. And this guy's been in the doghouse, you know, and Lincoln Riley has no problem stating that where Lincoln Riley draws a line is when a guy's injured. I mean, he's not going to tell you about the injury. And I, and I get that. I, I understand that. And I respect that. But I, I think this just, it, it is a statement of the wealth of talent Lincoln Riley has on this offense. I, I said in the post game last week after West Virginia that it looks like Trey Sermon has found his spot right now in like a jumbo package type situation. The Lincoln Riley, you, you saw him, you know, use Ramondre Stevenson and Trey Sermon together on short yardage situations. And I think for now, that's Trey Sermon's spot. And the and the reason I gave, if you didn't listen to the podcast, um, if you did, just bear with me for a second. But the reason I gave is is basically all about speed and a home run threat. You've, you've got home run threats across the board on this offense. You got you you pick your make your choice at receiver. You, Jalen Hurts, you know, can can any any minute can can go the distance. Why not have your running back who is the biggest home run threat as a part of that offense? And that's what I believe Lincoln Riley has settled into with Kennedy Brooks, where you can better utilize the talents, the the physical tough running of a guy like Ramondre Stevenson or Trey Sermon in a short yardage, you know, just gutted out run. And we saw the eye formation last week with these guys. I think that's where Trey Sermon has found his spot. I don't think that Grant Calcaterra, obviously being hurt doesn't help him, but I don't think he's found that spot, that rhythm with a guy like Jalen Hurts. And I think that's all it comes down to. You, you've got, you know, obviously the first option, CeeDee Lamb, Charleston Rambo's coming on, you know, across the board, you know, there, there's guys out there, Hazelwood, you know, they're, they're making plays and, and Calcaterra just hasn't made that connection with him yet. Now, if you're looking at this from a glass half full perspective, a lot of people thought that maybe this would be it for Calcaterra, but having only five catches on the season, missing your third game now, Probably not the case. Yeah, I I do think the first option, Matt, that we've got to look at is the fact that there's something going on that no one has received word on. And I'm assuming that the university, the program, the coaching staff, the trainers are all keeping tight lips on that situation because your hope is that a guy of that talent, of that caliber, is able to go at some point before the end of the season. So an undisclosed injury is what I would chalk it up to at this point in time in terms of, of being essentially buried in the depth chart for lack of a better terminology there. Grant Calcaterra is, is the starter at that tight end position. The only knock that I would, would throw out there against him is the versatility. How well does he do in run blocking situations? How well does he do when it's not the red zone because we've seen these tight ends at the university of Oklahoma thrive in those situations, especially when they've got a quarterback with some touch Jalen hurts. is not Baker Mayfield with that kind of a touch. He can get the ball there for sure. But when you talk about touch, I, I don't know that Jalen hurts is the first name in recent history for the university of Oklahoma that comes to mind. 
the connection you mentioned some of the chemistry I, i'm just going to write that off no comments on that one from me at this point in time but here's what i'm looking at is you've got a guy like willis you've got a couple of these other younger guys you've mentioned hazelwood stogner is another guy these up-and-coming talents when it comes to their experience they just don't have the same experience that a guy like Calcaterra is going to bring not only to the locker room but also to the field has he lost a starting position i, I by all means do not think so i still think Calcaterra is a is a very integral part of this offense when he's available and that's where i go back to my initial statement is i do believe it's a, an undisclosed injury i do think that the potential for him to leave after this year still exists though as you shake your head no no i, I clearly don't think I, I think that the the potential of him because everybody thought this was the breakout year for grant calcaterra and if you have that breakout year then you you start you know you see your draft stock rise if you're going to come out early you've got to be a one sometimes number two round draft pick kenny steels was was below a number two pick but he he and, and tony jefferson had always said you know, we're coming out together and it was time they wanted, you know, of course we know TJ went uh, undrafted, but is still making a name for himself, you know, tough injury this year in the NFL that's setting him out for the season. But if you're a guy like Grant Calcaterra and you have a very, very, very high ceiling and the season has not gone the way you or anybody who prognosticated it thought it would, you don't think about coming out now. What you think about is refocusing, getting healthy. And, and, and again, I, I just threw out the chemistry with the quarterback as one of the issues potentially, but it's, I don't, I don't know that I subscribe to that because let's not lose sight of the fact there's been plenty of games this season where a guy like CD lamb, who is clearly the best receiver on this team only had like two catches. Yeah. The one thing that I, I want to add to this conversation is that Lincoln Riley has made this statement in the past when it concerns a quarterback and catering an offense towards that specific skill set. My my translation, these are my words, paraphrasing what he said, was you would be a fool not to cater your offense to the talents or the skills of your quarterback. And here's what I'm wondering is, is a guy like Grant Calcaterra not having the same impact that we expected him to have? Is that just part of the design? Is it part of the tools that they have in Jalen Hurts? Not that has limited Grant Calcaterra, but has essentially made Lincoln Riley rethink what's going to be the most successful option given the situation that we're in currently. Because we can talk about a guy like Lee Morris who had a huge impact with Kyler Murray. I mean, they called him a touchdown machine because all he did was catch touchdowns. We're seeing Kyler Murray not being here. Some of that is chemistry. I, I do give you that. But we're seeing Lee Morris not have that similar impact, even though he stepped in and has filled that spot that Grant Calcaterra has essentially vacated over the past three games. Yeah, I mean, and again, you, you got to when anytime you mention Lee Morris, Kyler Murray, you guys played high school football together. So you're right. Chemistry is a big part of that. But I, I think more and maybe this is what you're saying. I, I think that the limited amount and it's not just again not just grant calcaterra trace sermon as well the limited amount of their impact on this team is more to do with taking advantage of the skill set of a guy like jalen hurts and and when you look at the the, the last three seasons 
you've seen this offense run in three different ways with them to match the skill set of Baker Mayfield, the skill set of Kyler Murray, and the skill set of Jalen Hurts. You've seen it done. You know, the, the, the one thing that has been the constant with the Lincoln Riley offense is it focuses on the running game. But, for example, this year, Jalen Hurts is your leading passer. Obviously, he's your quarterback. You want him to be that. But he's also your leading rusher. He's at 705 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns on the season. I mean, the guy's well on his way to, a, I think, 900 is some change as a freshman at Alabama is the most rushing yards he had in the season. He's, he's, he's well on his way to a 1,000-yard rushing season. And you think back about Kyler Murray last year, and you kind of late in the season is when you started seeing Kyler Murray – start getting close to a thousand yards. Jalen hurts right now, seven games into the season. He's, he, he's less than 300 yards away. Yeah. He's knocking on the door of that and he's already over 2000 yards passing. So I do agree when you, when you, I mean, if Jalen hurts is your leading rusher, that means he's taking away touches from somebody that has been Trey sermon. And also when your quarterback is your leading rusher, that means there's fewer pass plays which means there's fewer passes to go around. So that's going to take away from somebody, which in this case is Grant Calcaterra. Again, I don't, I don't think this has anything to do with, you know, X and O writing them out of the scheme. I don't think it has anything to do with being in a doghouse or losing a position. I think it has everything to do with the Jalen Hurts factor. And I mean, you look, I mean, it just, there's only so many times the ball can be distributed on any given play. And when your quarterback, and it's working, so this isn't a complaint, when your quarterback is taking up the majority of those touches, be it running the ball or throwing the ball, there's just fewer to go around to this, again, this plethora of talent that Oklahoma has on the offensive side of the ball. Now, speaking of Oklahoma's offense, they, they go up against a, a mildly good test. That To me, it's the fact that it's if this game was in Norman, I would feel better about it. But you always wonder, uh, to me, I always worry about playing on the road, especially early kickoffs on the road. Now, one good thing about this string of early kickoffs is that it's become a routine for Oklahoma. You know, they they were away from Norman when they played in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. You know, so this fourth week in a row, early kickoff, they have a routine, and that becomes good for them when you're getting ready to play. But you're you're going up against Oklahoma right now, averaging 612. Point nine yards. So we're going to round that up. 613 yards of offense per game. Kansas State giving up 347.7 yards. Again, we'll round up 348 yards of offense. So there, there that's a that's a big diff distance, you know, in between 347 or 348 and 613. Oklahoma is going to fall in the middle of that somewhere, in my opinion. Now here's and again, here's what when you're talking X's and O's. Here's where the advantage goes into Lincoln Riley's favor. One thing I said just a little bit ago, the one common denominator in all of the offenses for the three or for the two, sorry, Freudian slip there. I started to say three consecutive Heisman winners, but for the two Heisman winners and Jalen Hurts, the common denominator has been the rushing game. I mean, Oklahoma has run the ball with Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and now Jalen Hurts. Obviously, you flip Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray in that order. When you're attacking this Kansas State defense, the first thing you want to do is you want to look at how they are against the run. And this is a defense that's allowing almost 200 yards per game on average on the ground. And it's going to be just like Kansas, just like West Virginia. 
if you can't stop the run with base personnel, then Jalen Hurts is going to kill you. He's just going to kill you. And that's going to be the big obstacle for this Wildcat defense. How can you slow down Kennedy Brooks with base personnel? And if you can't do it, then suddenly you have no one to account for Jalen Hurts when he slips out of the pocket, or you have no one to account for CeeDee Lamb when he's in one-on-one coverage. Kansas State has the challenge that no one's been able to step up and meet this year of stopping this offense. And and again, when I'm looking at, hey, these guys are allowing 200 yards per game on the ground. If I'm Lincoln Riley, the way I run this offense and the way this offense is predicated on the running game, look at my chops right now. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you in that statement. And it's largely because we look at the talent that is in the backfield. We look at the options that Oklahoma has in the running game. And you look at the development of this offensive line and the progression that they're making. The one area that Kansas State, as you've mentioned, has struggled in all season long, which became overwhelmingly apparent, was against Oklahoma State in that rushing game or in the rushing attack that Oklahoma State brought. They've got a very talented runner in Chuba Hubbard, but the reality is this is he's one individual. They're going to have to account now for up to at least three in the backfield at the same time. When I'm looking at Oklahoma and knowing that the the strength of this team, whether we <laughs> emphasize it enough or we don't, is it's always been the rushing attack. You can always go back to the great Oklahoma teams and you can pinpoint a dominant ball carrier for each and every single one of those eras. And that goes all the way back. We were talking about the the 70s earlier today, you and I and another friend of ours and some of the backs that existed then in numerous situations, in numerous years, three backs who were NFL caliber, but may not necessarily have been the starter. I feel like we're seeing that again here at the University of Oklahoma. I say all that to say Oklahoma State ran the ball 44 times against Kansas State. We saw the success that we had. We saw the results of that game. I think Oklahoma may take a similar approach where they're running. It's a run-heavy game plan, and Oklahoma uses that run to set up potentially some of the big plays against a what I would consider a consistent as well as a adequate secondary. The secondary is going to be the strength of this Kansas State defense. They're going to attempt to hold guys like C.D. Lamb in check. They're going to attempt to hold the receivers in general in check, but they can't stop the run. So if these receivers are running routes to simply remove a defender from that side of the the field, I think Oklahoma is going to have an absolute heyday. More specifically, I think Kennedy Brooks is going to be your go-to guy as well as Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, we can throw that out with any game. Kennedy Brooks being that go-to guy, the player of the game for me, when it comes to this specific setting, on the road, running the ball, controlling the clock, and not giving up turnovers. Well, I'm going to – well, first of all, the turnovers is, is a big, big deal because Saturday against West Virginia was the first time in, I think, three games – yeah, three games – that Oklahoma did not turn the ball over. More specifically, Jalen Hurts didn't turn the ball over. So I, I th- that's a great point to throw in there. But here, here's what I'm going to add to that. You know, you mentioned Kennedy Brook. I think it's a big game for him. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. Now, let me give you 
I, I'm going to give you one more name, but I want to give some perspective. When we talked about Jalen Hurts eating up some of the plays, you know, and the reason why Trey Sermon, you're seeing him take a little bit of a back seat. Okay, Jalen Hurts, do you know how many times he's carried the ball this season? Man, the silence is because I honestly, I, I don't know. I know it's quite a bit. I'm just gonna throw a random number out there. One, 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 111. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, seven games. I would say he's probably averaging about 10 carries a game. My my real guess would be 65 to 70 times he's carried the ball. Okay, Oklahoma's leading rusher, 705 yards, 10 touchdowns on 84 carries this season. Now let's let's put that in in perspective. Kansas State's leading rusher, James Gilbert. Pretty good kid. I mean, decent athlete, good football player. 453 rushing yards, four touchdowns this season. This is the feature back for Kansas State. You want to guess team high in carries for the Wildcats. You want to guess how many carries? Uh, given the yards, I'm going to say 45. 87. So he's the feature back for Kansas State. Three more rushes, rushing attempts than, than Jalen Hurts. So all that to say, I, I agree. Jalen Hurts, Kennedy Brooks. It's going to be a good combination, but I want to throw one more name out here. This is a CeeDee Lamb type game because Kansas State's not going to be able to stop the run, in my opinion. They're not going to be able to use base uh, base defense to stop Jalen Hurts, Kennedy Brooks, so they're going to have to commit a safety or whatever. This is going to be a game that sets up like the Texas game for Lamb, in my opinion, to find himself in one-on-one situations. And there's a pattern that you got to watch here after big games. And, and Charleston Ramble didn't have a big game, but he was Oklahoma's leading receiver. I mean, he had a good game against West Virginia. He was Oklahoma's leading receiver, the only receiver to have caught a touchdown. And so in film room this week, the Wildcats were saying, look, CeeDee Lamb's really good, best receiver in the Big 12, but don't forget about number 14. Focus on Charleston Rambo. And, and, and that's what's happening. And, and you've got – when you said – and I agree when you said the, the best aspect of this Kansas State defense is their secondary. Statistically, that's true. But here's what you got to look out for. When everybody is successful at running on you, I mean, everybody runs on Kansas State. That's why they're giving up almost 200 yards a game. So when everyone is successful at running on you, your passing numbers are skewed a little bit more. And I, I think that's the case for Kansas State. Their passing yards are skewed. They're, they they appear better on paper than what they do on the field against the pass because everyone's running on them. And that's what Oklahoma's going to do. They're going to set up the run. Uh, they're going to use the run to set up the pass. And that's going to – because Lincoln Ryan's going to watch, and then when, when, that, when they see that safety begin to commit, they're going to watch him on play action. And when he does, CeeDee Lamb's going to find himself in a very advantageous situation, and I think he has a big game this Saturday. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. We've seen it before, talking about the abilities of Texas on the defensive side of the ball. CeeDee Lamb steps up, has a huge game, and it's because not only is he an above-average route runner, I don't think he's the best route runner we've seen in his time at the University of Oklahoma, but he's an exceptional route runner where he really excels is in his physicality and his knowledge of where the open spaces are. You want to talk about C.D. Lamb knowing how to take advantage of what the defense gives you. I don't think there's anyone better in the country at the receiver position who has that ability. So C.D. Lamb can and he will hurt you. I do think if you're picking out a receiver to have a big game, I, I'm on your side of the fence 
jumping into that boat with you because C.D. Lamb, with the knowledge and, as I said, that physicality as well as his size, he is going to be a big target, and he's going to be utilized especially on those play-action passes. All right, Oklahoma continues to plow through the Big 12. Uh, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas, West Virginia, all victims to Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, and Alex Grinch's new speed defense. Now the Sooners have their sights set on Manhattan, Kansas, and the Kansas State Wildcats. Of course, on the field isn't the only action for this one. My Bookie takes it all to a next level. Not only your point spread in total, but My Bookie offers in-game wagering so you can track the action and movement as the game takes place. Game props, playoff odds, and national championship odds are all available there as well. Oh, and we can't forget with Jalen Hurts and company, the Heisman Trophy odds. Last check, My Bookie had Oklahoma as a 23.5 point favorite with a win total of 50, no. sorry, the total score over under 57 and a half. You were going to jump in there and correct me, weren't you? That just scratches the surface. We've also teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's switch sides of the ball, Rich. Let's let's go to the defense and and the common again. I, I feel like I've used common denominator like three or four times now in this podcast. But again, Kansas State, the strength of their offense is on is is the running game, and I feel like this is going to be a good test for Oklahoma's defense in a way that maybe we haven't seen them. You know, when they play Texas, we we knew trying to run the ball would be a key part of what the Texas offense was, but. Unfortunately, they just don't have the players to make that happen. It all hinges on Sam Ellinger. But it, here, we talked about Gilbert. And the, the Wildcats, when, when you look at their passing and their rushing yards, they're very skewed, similar to what they give up on defense. This is a, a running team that, you know, you know, Oklahoma, right now, they're, they're only allowing 198 yards per game through the air, which is good if you're in the Big 12 and you're under 200, and they're allowing 127.7 yards per game on the ground. Kansas State's coming in with a very a very run-oriented offense, giving up, or excuse me, they are, um, they are averaging almost 200 yards a game on the ground. It's really hard to get those statistics for me right there. But you're, we, we talk about guys like Kenneth Murray. And Deshaun White, this is a huge game for them because Neville Gallimore, if he does what he normally does, he's going to jump in there and blow this thing up in the middle. And you've got to really take advantage of that if you're these linebackers and clean up. You don't want missed tackles from this second level of defense because, in my opinion, I think the linebackers should be your leading tacklers in this game. And the good news is... If you can go out, and Oklahoma has done an outstanding job this season at really putting opponents behind in the first quarter. You know, Kansas is the only team this entire season that has scored in the first quarter against the Sooners. And so when when you look at that, a team that like Kansas State that's a run-heavy team, when you see that, if you can get them behind early, you know, you get them down. 14 nothing, 17 nothing. Then you force them out of their element and they have to go to the pass a little bit more. And if you're Oklahoma, that's what you want. You want to stuff the run, get them behind, and get them out of their element. 
And to me, guys like Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White, Brian Asamoah, those guys come up huge in this type of situation because they're the cleanup guys. You know, Gallimore, Marquise Overton, they're going to blow this thing up. And then hopefully that second level, those linebackers come in and, and clean up. To me, that's the way I'm approaching this game. The way that I view Kansas State on offense is in such a way to say that Thompson at quarterback is being asked to protect the ball. No turnovers. We see that he hasn't even eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark in passing yards, but he has seven touchdowns to one interception. It's a very similar ask of what Nick Saban did at Alabama with Jalen Hurts, where the attempt is to rely more so on that rushing attack and then let the defense play for field position. I believe that's how Oklahoma, or excuse me, Kansas State is going to approach the game with Oklahoma on Saturday. But here's the problem with that is when it comes to Oklahoma's defense, I do I've seen some susceptibility because of the aggressiveness up front at the beginning of the season where some of these guys, mobile quarterbacks, as well as running backs, have gotten loose and gone for big yardage. Now, granted, Oklahoma has kind of turned up the volume on defense in those moments and either gotten out of that situation with a field goal or simply turning the ball over on downs. I'm not certain that Kansas State will play that way at home in front of a home crowd against a heavily favored Oklahoma. But here's what I I'm, I do expect Oklahoma to do is maybe shift to a more traditional 4-3 front, which, Matt, means your guy, Bookie Riley Hiles, is put on the shelf for just a little bit. Doesn't necessarily see that start as we see these defensive ends or these linebackers more so shift around a little bit in order to compensate for what we believe Kansas State's strength is, which is, <laughs> excuse me, again, that rushing attack. So I'm with you. I do believe that Oklahoma doesn't necessarily sell out, but they use the personnel that they have up front in order to contain the rushing attack. They're going to want to set the edge on that pocket and make Thompson drop back and throw. So here's my my first key to the game on the defensive side of the ball is that Oklahoma's going to have to win first and second down because I expect Kansas State to challenge them in that rushing game up front on first and second down. And if Oklahoma can win those, they're going to find themselves in a favorable position against a quarterback who's being asked to be more of a manager than someone who goes out and wins games for Kansas State, which is Thompson. So you win first and second down, you put Kansas State in third and long, and you simply have a good day defensively. Yeah, as a team, Kansas State's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And you want, if you're Alex Grinch, you want that number to be significantly lower than 4.6. And you're right about Skylar Thompson, 80, 80 of 133 on his passing attempts this year, 60% completion percentage, which is pretty good. You typically, as an offensive coordinator, hey, I mean, you give me a 60% completion percentage, I'm okay with that. But he's only averaging 7.5 yards per attempt and seven touchdowns to one interception. I'm going to add one more thing to you. I, Cause I agree a hundred percent, you know, you win first down, but Skylar Thompson has also been sacked 11 times this season. So there, this is a, a offensive line that I believe is susceptible to the speed that Oklahoma is going to have on that defensive front. You know, Alex Grinch had Oklahoma's defensive linemen slim down to try to make them faster and I think this is a game 
when, when you look at how it's all set up, I think it's a game where you can bring that type of pressure. And when you're defending run first, you know, a lot of people made a big deal out of Oklahoma not allowing sacks. No, not, excuse me, not recording any sacks last week against West Virginia. But you look at the schematic of that, how they played, they played because West Virginia is a pass first team. And so you're dropping more guys back and, and, you know, whether, whether you're sacking the quarterback nine times or whether you're holding the quarterback to less than 50% completion percentage, that's a win for the defense. And that's what we saw with Oklahoma the last two games. Nine sacks against Sam Ellinger, less than 50% completion percentage for Austin Kendall. But this is a game when you're playing to stop the run, you're able to bring extra pressure on those passing downs because of the way you've got your schematics lined up. You, you're playing a team that's given up 11 sacks this season. This is a game where I believe Oklahoma brings the pressure on Skylar Thompson on those obvious passing downs, and you're going to look for um, you're going to look for um, you got to be aware of like draw plays and screen plays. Some someone asked me on Facebook, uh, "Hey, do you, do you think it's good for Oklahoma to um, to run a screen play here or there?" Now, I, I, the the answer to that question is complicated, but but it's no for me. And the reason why is because you look at the way teams defend Oklahoma. You can't bring a lot of pressure against Jalen Hurts because, and we talked about this before the Texas game. You talk about how Texas, you you thought Texas should just blitz, and I'm like, yes, please, because if if you if you if you blitz Jalen Hurts, you leave your guys vulnerable, and Jalen Hurts is going to slip out and run for 30 yards, or he's going to find Ceedee Lamb open 40 yards downfield. So a team that's bringing a lot of pressure, so if you're the Texas Longhorns in that situation and you know pressure's coming your way, then you want to slip a screen, a traditional screen. Now, bubble screens, that's a whole different story here, okay? But the traditional screen pass, I don't believe is a good idea for Oklahoma because there's, they're, they're not going to bring a lot of pressure, repeated pressure against this Oklahoma offense because of the risk-reward the risk is way higher than the reward when you're playing the Sooners. So that screen pass is designed to help you against pressure. So where I don't think it's a good idea for Oklahoma to do that, I do think if you're Oklahoma's defense, you got to watch for that against Kansas State because that's how you try to beat that pressure. So you got to get pressure on Skylar Thompson. you got to shut down the running game, but you got to watch for these type of things. And finally – you know, we talk about defensive keys. This is a game where I believe Oklahoma, more than any other game they've played recently, has the opportunity for takeaways. You know, Alex Grinch talked last Saturday after the West Virginia game. Hey, I don't know what it is. We're frustrated. Opportunity is there. We're not taking advantage of it. You know, and, you know, even the players talk, commenting on, yeah, he preaches it to us before the game. He preaches it to us at halftime. We know he wants it. Uh, we're just not getting it yet. This is where Skylar Thompson is going to be susceptible to making a quick read or an unfavorable throw, if you will, with this pressure coming at him. You mentioned Buki. I'm going to bring out, I mean, as possibly limited. And if that, if you're right on that, then a guy like Pat Fields again, or, or DTL, those guys have to be, this is their game. This is their game for those type of plays. So I think, you're, you're, I think you're disagreeing with me. I don't know what's going on with you because you're totally shaking your head. But I think this is the opportunity will be, in my opinion, the opportunity will be there for turnovers. Whether Oklahoma capitalizes that or not, 
is going to be the story here. But again, you're playing this offense. If you're Kansas State, you're playing this Oklahoma offense. The last thing you want to do is give Jalen Hurts extra possessions. If you're Oklahoma playing against this Kansas State offense, you absolutely want to give Jalen Hurts extra possessions by getting the turnovers. Yeah, I am disagreeing with you. I don't know that this is a game where Oklahoma secures many turnovers, and I don't know that this is a game where there are many opportunities for the turnovers. When we're looking specifically at Skylar Thompson and quick reads, throwing the ball, I, I just don't I just don't think it happens, Matt. And here's the reality of the situation for me is they've got one interception on the season. Dude hasn't even thrown for a thousand yards yet. I just don't see a Kansas State team who is going to throw the ball consistently. What I, I do see Kansas State doing, though, is attempting to dominate the time of possession because they are that run heavy offense. That's a byproduct of employing that type of a tactic. You've obviously got to be successful in converting those first downs to sustain those drives in order to win the time of possession. But I think that is what Kansas State attempts to do. They don't want uh, essentially a, a bad loss to turn into a terrible loss by turning the ball over. But where they are susceptible to turnovers has been in the fumbles. Now, I don't know if that's coming via the sacks in the backfield or if that's coming via the ball carriers. But where Kansas State has been prone to dropping the ball has been fumble-wise, not interceptions or turning the ball over has been fumble-wise. So your front seven, I think, will have a bigger impact in the turnover margin <laughs> than guys who are dropping back into coverage. Just my opinion. Well, and that's the reason why we do this podcast, two different opinions. But look, Kansas State's not going to win this game if they can't pass. They're not going to be in this game if they can't pass. Kleiman knows he's got to throw the ball. To I mean, you just Oklahoma's too good. You can't be one-dimensional. You can't army this thing like they like the you know the Black Knights did last year in Norman. They got to throw the ball, and and when they throw the ball, then it it leaves you susceptible to turnovers, and and I, especially when pressure is coming your way. That's all I'm saying. Kansas State is going to be behind. They should be. I mean, if everything goes according to plan, the Wildcats should be behind in this game. And when you have an inexperienced quarterback, when we're talking about throwing the ball, when you have a guy with limited experience this season, you you talked about less than 1,000 yards passing, seven touchdowns, a guy who's not used to having to put his team in a situation to win, to come from behind, that's leads to trouble. That's that's my take on this. So let's talk about defensive players to watch. I already mentioned Pat Fields, our DT Yell. You pick one of the safeties. I'm going to stick with Pat Fields because I had a pretty good run with him. I'm also going to throw out um, Kenneth Murray and, and Deshaun White because I think those, like I said earlier, those are the guys that really I think are going to be tasked with cleaning up this running attack from Kansas State. Yeah, I completely agree with your assessment on who the players of the game should be. Kenneth Murray is always going to be a, a very easy pick. I do like Deshaun White, but I think we've got a guy like Nick Bonito. Is that how you say that last name? I usually pride myself on being able to say these correctly, and this one has escaped me. But Nick Bonito, with the speed that he possesses, the ability to get in the backfield, I think he's a name that we hear more often than we have in the past especially given the role that he's 
kind of growing into as a guy who who essentially utilizes that speed, becomes this pass rusher, can hurry the quarterback, but can also make a play on, on any handoff to a ball carrier. What I like out of this defense, though, um, I'm going to shift gears instead of going towards the safeties, Matt, and I am looking at the defensive line, and I think this is a game, once again, excuse me, where Neville Gallimore has uh, a fairly large impact. We've talked about a weakness being this offensive line being susceptible to letting these guys collapse the pocket and get to the quarterback. It all starts up front, obviously, on that situation, but it all starts in the middle for me with Neville Gallimore pushing that pocket in the center and, and essentially drawing that double team to free some of these other guys who have that same ability freeing them up to make plays in the backfield. Again, Neville Gallimore is that guy for me. Yeah, and I love Big Nev. I love what he's doing this season, and, and I can't disagree with that. You know, we, All right, so we got to go through the Big 12 rundown, and then, I'm by the way, I'm, I'm picking an upset, a major upset this weekend in the Big 12 rundown, um, and then we're going to give you our score predictions for Oklahoma, Kansas State. Um, I, wanted, I, I, I need to say this because it's, it's really cool. It's really important. Um, today's episode of the Sooner Nation podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. It's a brand new streaming sports net, uh, news network. It's, I mean, it's, it's on all the time, 24-7. And here's the great part about it. It costs nothing. It's free. You know me, Rich. I like free. Um, and so great sports coverage, always on, always free. Here's what I like about it. You, and again, those that know me, I am a huge fantasy sports guy. I love fantasy sports. And the CBS Sports HQ, the coverage is always focused on the game. It's tons of highlights. You get breaking news when it happens. And you get fantasy advice. And I'm all about fantasy sports. Um, they also have gambling picks and analysis, all that extra coverage. And and you see the tips, the trends. This is a great app. It's absolutely free. Um, absolutely. I, I just, cause, cause you, you know, I rail against streaming services that charge money. Just download the CBS sports app on your phone. You can get an Apple TV you can get a Roku fire TV or other connected device at any time. CBS sports HQ, no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of, yep, completely free. And you don't even have to log on or sign up for anything. That's what's great about this. Download the CBS sports app and watch CBS sports HQ today. All right, Big 12 rundown. Um, Oklahoma, again, with the early kickoff, we're about to give our score prediction on that. Uh, I Upset, I'm calling it now, upset in Fort Worth. Texas is playing with fire, you know, and all you cannot watch that game against Kansas last year and think all is right in the world. Or last week, sorry. I was thinking about Oklahoma and Kansas last year because that's when you just kind of, man, this – they are not all there, and this is this is not working defensively, you know. Um, and same thing with Texas. You see this, and and you're seeing you're seeing guys enter the transfer portal. You're seeing recruits decommit. All is not right in the land of Austin, Texas. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a very close game. But I'm picking it now. TCU with a a game winning field goal. It's not Dicker the kicker on display. TCU game-winning field goal, 31-28. I'm calling the upset. That game's at, was it, 2.30 kickoff on Fox. Am I crazy? I think you are. Um, and the real reason for me is TCU offensively has not been as consistent as I think the coaching staff and the fan base would have hoped that they could be defensively sound, 
quality football being played on that side of the ball. So I do think they're going to give Texas some trouble. However, I just don't see it going down the same way that you do. Um, I think Texas, you're right. They're facing quite a bit of distractions. We're hearing names start entering the transfer portal. We've already mentioned some of the injuries, not only on the defensive side of the ball, but the lack of a true running back on the offensive side of the ball. There is a lot going on in Austin, Texas, surrounding this football team. I just think that they squeak out a win here against TCU and keep their name cemented in that Big 12 championship race. Well, look, I, I think this is, uh, to me, I think this sets up to be the Big 12 game of the week. And and my bookie, our friends at my bookie agree with me. They only have Texas as a one-point favorite in Fort Worth. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, I'm sorry, I've, I've lost. I've lost confidence. I've lost trust. I've lost faith. Whatever you want to say, I think the Cyclones win big. This is a this is a 14 to 21 point win for Matt Campbell, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree with you, especially of Oklahoma State, and more specifically, um, Sanders cannot limit the number of turnovers that has really plagued them here very recently. Iowa State, again, we have always thought of them as a sound defensive team. The offense finally catching up uh, to what the defense has been capable of over the past several years. I'm in agreement with you. It's a home game. I'm expecting Iowa State to to win pretty handedly. Yeah, I would say it's totally going to focus on Chuba Hubbard and make Spencer Sanders beat them. Uh, that's going to be a fun game early. But I, again, I, just, I think frustration builds. I, I'm not been a, at all a fan of Mike Gundy and play calling. The night game, go figure. Six o'clock kickoff Central Time, <laughs> Texas Tech at Kansas. FS1 carrying that one. You know, good luck to the 15 people that tune in. I do think Texas Tech wins this game, kind of gets back on track. I mean, Kansas is that team you want to get back on track against. That brings us to Oklahoma, Kansas State. Sooners, uh, 23.5-point favorites, over under 57.5. Sooners, 7-0 in the season, 4-0 in Big 12 play. Kansas State, 4-2 on the season, 1-2 in Big 12 play. Give me your score prediction. Well, I do think that Oklahoma scores early and quick, and I think they score often. I'm just going to throw this out here um, that they score on all but two of their drives with the starters in play. Score prediction-wise, knowing what we've already said about the strengths of this Kansas State offense being the rushing game and some of the changes that may or may not happen because, let's be honest, we're not fielding these players. We're not coaching these players. So it's all based on opinion and maybe a little bit of knowledge. Um, So what I'm expecting, though, is somewhere to the tune of 45 for Oklahoma to 13 for Kansas state. Okay. Well, you're, you're giving Oklahoma's defense a little bit more credit than I am. And that's kind of been the case this season. I mean, I don't know why you would pick anybody to score more than 14 points against this defense right now, but I am uh, because I think there's going to be some garbage time scores involved here, but I've got Oklahoma 49, Kansas state 24, Oklahoma 49, Kansas state 24, Uh, you know, that's a 25 point win for the University of Oklahoma. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We're um, we're excited that our podcast just got picked up by iHeartRadio. We're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Do us a favor. Give us a, a positive ranking. You know, uh, we're not uh, we're not we're not jumping in there and asking you to give us five star. We're, we're never going to claim to be the best around, but we think we're pretty good. But if you want to give us a five star, give us a five star. But anyway, give us a ranking. Also participate in the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter at sports heartland on Twitter at sports heartland. Uh, or you can go to heartland sports.com and leave a comment on our Facebook or, or on our podcast post at heartland sports.com. But we're sooner everybody. 
Enjoy your weekend.